Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Balanced Mom Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and today we're talking to the amazing Sophie Jaffe. If you're not familiar with Sophie, then you're going to fall in love with her in this episode. I have a feeling that a lot of people here are already fans of Sophie, but if you're just learning about her, she's phenomenal. She is a spiritual teacher. She is a blogger, podcaster, mother owner of many businesses, one of them being her superfood business philosophy. Most importantly, at least in this conversation, Sophie is a dear, dear friend of mine. We have known each other since the very beginning of both of our blogging journeys. And she is one of those people who I always consider like a soul sister in my life, a dear friend, someone who I appreciate so much in many ways because we don't have to see each other all the time or even talk all the time to know that we are there for each other and we always show up for each other. We have hosted more events together than I can count and our lives just overlap in the most beautiful and synchronistic ways, which we talk about in this episode. So I won't give any spoiler alerts, even though I want to, Um, but I'm not going to because we'll talk about it in the episode. This episode, we go deep on radical transparency, which is something that Sophie teaches about. It's a big part of her life and her brand. We talk about family. We talk about intuition. And I love Sophie's take on intuition. I find it very unique. And as a friend, she's taught me so much. And I'm excited to share her perspective with you guys. Her and her husband are all about breaking through barriers and labels and basically just like living your best damn life and having no apologies for doing that. And why don't we all just live that way? So Sophie is a great teacher on that level and on that note. And she has three beautiful children. Um, Did I mention Sophie was the third guest of my podcast ever all the way back in 2016. So if you want more of her background story, even though we we talk a lot about her childhood in this episode, um, but if you want more of like her relationship story, which she touches on in this episode and cheating and things that her and her husband have overcome, I believe we talked about that on that episode, episode number three, just don't judge me when it comes to the audio quality because I was brand new, wasn't an audio engineer, still not an audio engineer, but I have the right team in place. And um, we talk about a lot of things in this episode, things that I didn't think I would ever talk about publicly, things that Sophie has never talked about publicly. And we were just on my couch chit-chatting and it was phenomenal. Oh, hi, Hudson. Hi, Huddy. My little baby just walked into the room. My baby, kitty boy. Yeah, so Sophie is an inspiration. I know she will inspire you. And we love, Jonathan and I love Sophie and Adi, her husband. We um, cherish their friendship. And as always, I love to share conversations with you guys, real conversations, spontaneous conversations. We talk about filters on Instagram. We have so many opinions on so many things. And so here we go. You will love the episode. Love 
episode, Soph, and I can't wait for you to dive in. Before we dive into the episode, a couple things I want to remind you. Number one, if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, I have a free gift to send you, which is my yoga ebook. So just email me your rating and review, and I will send over that free gift as a thank you. Number two, I am hosting something extremely exciting, which is a live version of my course, Waking Back Up to Your Soul. It starts on August 24th, and um, you have two more days to sign up. This came to me in a meditation. It was like fully channeled, got to do this, got to do it together with the group. I need to redo um, the course and talk to my ancestors, talk to my body, all the things that take place in this course. There's a lot of channeling involved. So we will leave the link in the show notes where you can learn more about it and where you can sign up. This is not an opportunity to miss, you guys. You'll get three live calls with me and it's just extremely special and it's going to be a lot of fun. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, Four Sigmatic. I have so many favorites when it comes to Four Sigmatic. I am a fan, sucker for, obsessed with mushroom coffee. So Four Sigmatic is mushroom coffee. They also have adaptogens. They also have beauty. They also have protein. Um, They're completely TBB approved in every single way. They are vegan. They are organic. They're super low sugar. They also have products that have no sugar. They're third-party tested and they're full of adaptogens. So adaptogens work with your body to bring you back to homeostasis. So if you need to feel more alert or if you need to feel more calm or if you need to feel more energized or if you're looking to replace your morning coffee, go no further then Four Sigmatic. We've also had the founder of Four Sigmatic on the podcast, Taro. He's amazing. He grew up foraging mushrooms. Like the integrity of this company is insane. You can use the code BLONDE for 15% off. That's B-L-O-N-D-E. You can also go to foursigmatic.com slash blonde to check out all of their products and then some I love the chaga. I've been drinking chaga um, for her like, oh gosh, four and a half years now from Four Sigmatic. I mix it with my coffee, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of stevia. They have ground coffee. If you're not a caffeine person, that's totally fine. They have caffeine-free options. And my loves, you are going to fall in love. You are going to be mind blown with all things Four Sigmatic. Jonathan right now is absolutely loving the adaptogen coffee. They also have adaptogen immune support. So everybody who is struggling with immunity right now with everything going on in the world, um, keep your eye on all of their immunity products. If you like cacao, they have mushroom hot chocolate. They have just a straight mushroom chocolate now, which is amazing. So I'm a huge fan. Check it out. Fall in love. Tag me on Instagram when you try Four Sigmatic and be sure to use that code BLONDE. And then you can also learn all about mushrooms on their site. So if you're listening and you're like, Jordan, what is mushroom coffee? I don't get it. I don't know why I would want this. Then just know you're about to fall in love with something called mushroom coffee and it has adaptogens and it's functional and it works so well in the body and it tastes good and all the things. So foursigmatic.com slash blonde. And now 
Without further chit chat, let's head into this episode with my dear friend, Sophie Jaffe. Okay, Sophie, you're back. I'm back. It Thanks is for having me. Amazing to have you back yeah. on. You're my third guest <laughs> in 2016. I was single. I was living in basically my little studio, and life has changed so much it since has. then. It's so exciting to have you back on. We've been friends since my New York days. Yes. Since 2014. And Kai was like a baby. Yeah, I mean, Leo was born, but Kai was still so little. Mm -hmm. And our lives have just evolved evolved so much. You have three kids now. You have a podcast. You have thriving businesses. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of you. And so happy that you're here. So proud of you. Honored to be here. Yeah, honored to be here. I, I had no idea it was the third podcast. I know. Third. It was <laughs> I knew it was the beginning. So I didn't first, realize it. my first episode was with Brandon Cohen. Yeah. Then my mom. And then, then you. And I would record it and release it like the next day. <laughs> I was like, just come over. I actually need to release it tomorrow. And then I tried to edit it myself. So if anybody goes back and listens, the sound quality was insane. Oh my God. And I love and it. here we are now. I think that is something that definitely has always united us. And we are so similar in that way that we have an idea, we put it out there. We have totally. an idea, we put it out there. There's, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I really admire that in you. And it reminds me that I'm the same way. Like it's life is too short to wait for things to be perfect. A, nothing's ever perfect. Exactly. B, life is too short. Just put the information out there because you're just putting your heart into the world and you can't learn if you don't try. Exactly. And that goes back to our human design. Mm -hmm. You're a generator. Mm -hmm. I'm a reflector. So I don't know where I get that, like with the reflector energy, but you're a generator. You Mm -hmm. just like power on through and you just turn your ideas into reality. It's so powerful. Yeah, it really is. So let's start from the beginning for Mm -hmm. anybody who didn't listen to our first episode and or maybe just learning about you. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sure there's a lot of Sophie fans here Mm -hmm. listening. Where are you from? What was your childhood like? Start from there. Yeah. I had a very um, lovely and chaotic childhood. So I grew up in DC. I was born at a home birth. My mom had me at home in DC with a midwife. My dad was there. My grandpa was there. My dad caught me. Um, That's cute. And it was like in the afternoon, like four two two forty three in the afternoon. And yeah, just born in our home. No complications. Lovely. I'm a Taurus. I'm um, Taurus moon, Taurus sun, Virgo rising. You're so all earth. All earth. That kind of shocks me really? for some reason. I mean, you're very grounded. Yeah. Like when I'm around you, I feel like I can breathe yeah. because you just, you have that grounding, like mothering presence. Yeah. Well, also but Libra, Taurus are very like complimentary. Totally. But also you're so fiery. And like I have you some really Aries. get stuff done. So I have Aries in my chart and at least two planets, maybe three, including communication. Like I definitely have that Aries fire beneath me. Right. So, and that's what you feel. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so born and my mom and dad were together at the time. My brother was born two years later. He had the opposite birth, emergency C-section, 
Um, my parents were not doing well. Just like really interesting to look at that. And I know we're not going to talk about birth necessarily till later when maybe you're thinking of having a baby. Yes. We, could, we were talking about, we had a lot of requests for birth story and I'd love to share my birth stories, but I feel like it would be even more relevant when you're kind of oh, definitely. in that prepping period. Soaking up the And info. even if you're not pregnant yet, but just like I'm thinking about these ideas, I think that would being inside of that feeling is really a lot of what manifestation is for me is like Mm -hmm. just soaking it all up. So we can get deep into that later. But I do think that the way you're born matters and it doesn't have to, just like astrology doesn't have to define you. It's just another characteristic and personality aspect of who you become. So I think the fact that I had such an easy transition earth side helped me to be who I am. We moved around. My parents divorced when I was six. And from that moment on, I was basically, it felt like on the road with my mom and my brother. My dad stayed in DC, eventually remarried and someone who lived out in LA. My mom and my brother and I just drove around city to city. My mom would um, pack us up, go to the next place. She was kind of on a quest and a search, but also has some borderline tendencies. So in that respect, it's kind of like psychologically everyone else is wrong and it's very black and white. So it's like, I love this place. We're going to go here. And then I hate this place. We got to go. I love my new job. They all love me and honor me as like the queen I am. Oh, I got to go because they're awful and treat me like crap. So it's like very black. And so uh-huh. it was always like, get up and go, get up and go. And I had to create new friends. I had to be really resilient. And I really had to figure out who I was and find that feeling of home within me because that was moving around constantly. So when I look back at my childhood, I only think about how positive it was, how loved I was. I had amazing experiences, but a lot of that is because of who I decided to be and the way that I chose to see the divorce, the way I chose to see these new experiences and meeting new friends. Like, yes, I was sad, but I'd also be like, okay, I get to meet new people. Okay, I get to see somewhere new. Whereas my brother, everything was the opposite. So where I would like find the beauty, he would find the sadness. And he was sick all the time. He developed all sorts of like, you know, just reasons to be, reasons to hate my dad, to feel abandoned. You know, we had the same childhood, right? Like for the most part, less than two years apart, just like very similar childhoods. But what was different was who we are as people. And the way we chose to see our circumstances, our perspective. And to this day, it's still like that with us. He sees things very differently, has had a very, he has had a life full of struggle. Whereas for me, even though I've had a lot of challenges, I see my life as a really beautiful thing. So yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell, moved around a lot, had to keep re-examining, re-figuring out who I was. My mom remarried when I was in sixth grade. And I kind of got this like dream fun life of living Brady Bunch style because my mom's new husband had two kids and the daughter was my age. Oh, that's so fun. We were in the same grade. And then he had a little boy. So it was four kids all of a sudden instead of two, you know, right in the prime of like soccer practice and cheerleading and high school and middle school and all of that fun stuff, sleepover parties. And so we had a really fun long period for like four years. And then my mom left him and, um, 
I, at that point, was just kind of done. It was senior year of high school and I just couldn't live with her anymore. I think as a child, you don't really see your mom as anything other than this beautiful spirit. And for me, she was my only stability moving from place to place. Never mind that she was the reason that we were unstable. But to me, I looked up to her for comfort. Even when she wasn't there, it was like, okay, well, my mom is, are these things. But as I got older, I realized that she was actually the source of a lot of the, the conflict and the pain. So I left midway through my senior year. We had a huge fight. And I moved into my own apartment. I had my dad start sending me the child support money. Oh, wow. Directly to my new apartment. I lived with two older girls that were like three years older. And I went to college at a local, it's called Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And I just started, I took 21 credits. I had to get special. I was working three jobs. Like that's just like the, the life I chose was like one of hard working from the beginning. Right. You know, like it's just always been that way. I always wanted to work hard because on the other side of that working hard was something beautiful. And I think that that kind of comes into play in my relationships and and in everything I do. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's definitely affected you in your life. I mean, moving forward forever. And you're such a hard worker. I see that in you all the time. I admire it in you so much. You have three kids, you have multiple businesses, you're always working so hard, but your perspective is always so beautiful. Mm. And so that goes back to what you said in your childhood, how you chose to have that outlook. Yeah. And it's interesting. And, and it is a choice. Right. It's, it's a totally choice. a choice. And I see it all the time with my siblings and there being four of us. And like, we did have very different childhoods because we're so spread apart. But, you know, some of us had similar childhoods yeah. and there's just a very different outlook. And, totally. And perception of our parents. And it's wild. And it's interesting. Like, I don't, I'm not in a healthy place with my brother right now. So we don't get to go deep. Like once he's in a place where he's really grounded and grown up and making adult decisions and really being responsible, then we can sit down and have these conversations. But I have them with my older sister, who's nine years older. We share the same mom. We have different dads. And it is so fascinating to have these conversations about the way we remember things. Even though she moved out when I was little, she would pop in and out. And like my perspective of her coming into our world, what did that feel like? Her perspective as an older, you know, early twenties coming into our world. What did that look like? Oh, well, here's what really was going on. You were a child. So you didn't understand that mom did X, Y, and Z. Like it's so fascinating. Now I'm 36 years old. My sister's 40, whatever, 45. We get to have these conversations as two full, fully grown whole adults and evaluate it and not be right. Not be like, this is the way it was. Instead, this was my perspective. And oh, did you know that this was happening behind the scenes? No, I had no idea. Right. That's really cool. It's really beautiful. Yeah. So I, mean, I look forward to hopefully one day having those conversations with my brother. But, you know, in the meantime, I will continue to try and work hard while still balancing celebrating the beauties of life. You know, Absolutely. not just, I, I don't work, I don't live to work. I work to live, right? Totally, totally, totally. Same. Yeah. And that's such a good way to live. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I was a workaholic in my life and was like living to work. Did you ever have that experience before you switched over to this perspective? Yeah. I think with anything, just like food, like we have a lot of similarities with food stuff. And back in my twenties, I working out food, it was all excessive, right? Work at a certain point. I was a workaholic because I'm like, oh, if I work harder, then 
I don't know, I'll be more successful. I don't know what it was, but it's like, I should be doing this, fill in the blank. And in my 20s, it was like, I excessively worked out. I excessively like controlled my eating and controlled the things that were going in my body. And I think it's the same kind of thing where you have to go like from one end of the spectrum to the other and let the pendulum swing Mm -hmm. to find that middle ground. For sure. So same with work. I've had periods of my life where I've been bored to death and I, you know, go away for two months to Thailand alone. I'm just like, okay, I could do something now. Mm -hmm. And then I've had the other pendulum swing of like being overly just so taxed that I want to cry all day because I've just got too much on my plate. And now I feel like I'm finding a middle ground. I'm also still really young. So to me, I'm like, this is the time to work and get ideas out and to grow and to expand, to build my empire. And then, you know, when it feels right. And I already, I mean, if I really broke down how many hours I quote work and the way that I work, even at 36, I think that this is such a beautiful way. Like, I don't feel like I'm taxed. I feel like I found a great balance considering I have so many businesses and children and things going on. I don't, I feel like I have a great balance going on right now and it'll only get better. I totally feel that. I love that. Yeah. So with food, a lot of people wanted to know your perspective on intuitive eating and the way that you eat and kind of the experience that you've had with what you said before, the extreme end of the spectrum and now this beautiful intuition that you have when it comes to food and everything else in your life. Yeah. I, and I, I, I just want to say, first of all, like congratulations, wherever you are on your journey, because it's hard to be a human. So hard to be a human. In a human body. And when it comes to food and it comes to it's 201, by the way. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It's 201. Of course it is. Of, of course. course it's 201. Sophie knows all about my number. Oh, yeah. I think when it comes to intuitive eating, it's the point here is getting clear on your intuition. So you can't become someone who intuitively moves, intuitively lives, intuitively parents, intuitively eats if you aren't intuitive. So the very first step in intuitive eating is getting clear on that intuitive voice within you. And that can look different for everyone. This is where the the practice of self-discovery comes in and really discovering what is it that makes me find that inner voice. For me, when I was in my mid-20s or early 20s, it was traveling alone. It was going off to a foreign country and getting really lost and then finding myself again. And by getting lost, whether it be in a foreign country or whether it be, you know, getting on my bike right here in Brentwood and, and having no plan and just being free and then finding myself through that journey. That's what intuition is, is getting lost and then finding yourself again and again and again. And then once you do it a few times in that capacity, like traveling the world or getting lost on a bike ride and letting your intuition guide you, then you can make choices from that place. You can make the choices to, you know, as you're on that bike ride, maybe you see a fruit stand, um, you know, down the street and you're like, oh, I actually haven't eaten today. That mango looks amazing. Okay. Let me follow that pulse and let me follow that. And then I eat the mango and then I see the way it feels after 30 minutes. And then I go further on my bike ride and then I have nowhere that I think I should be going. I'm just going to follow the signs. So as I'm on that bike ride, I'm just going to go down the street and then I see a 201 and that's my magic number. So I'm going to go there. Oh, it's a massage parlor. I'm going to go get a massage. You go get a massage. So you just like, these are ways that 
has worked for me are to get lost, to find myself. I'll go in any country that I've traveled to. The first thing I do is I put my running shoes on and I go for a run or I go for a walk and I get lost. And guess what? I'm going to get found, you know, like getting lost. Like, no, I don't know French, but running around the streets of Paris will teach me so much about myself. Right. And the decisions I make, and and that's part of the journey and the fun is like trying in your broken French to ask someone, how do I get to this place? Or where is that cafe? Or what do you think about this? And I lost my map. Do you know where I can get one? Like that is what the search of life, that quest and that feeling of wanting to search and be found again, that's what it's all about. Wow. I just learned a lot from what you just said Mm -hmm. because that's so true. And I'm realizing as you're speaking and maybe other people feel this way, I don't do that. Like Mm. I go on vacation and I'm like, God forbid I get lost. I need my Google maps in my hand, need to have the control. Like I like to go back to places that I've been. Like when I'm in Bali or something, like I need to go to the restaurants that I know that I love. I don't want to get lost. I'm scared. And so that shows me something about myself because- that actually sounds fun, what you're talking and about. And maybe it sounds scary to someone that's well, it listening. it sounds scary. It sounds and scary fun. and fun. Exactly. So let's start from a place where it sounds scary. Right. If it's scary to go get lost in a foreign country, you're not alone. Right. I was scared, but I just have built up a tolerance, right? So start back up from there. Get lost in your city. Go on a bike ride in your own city where you really do know what you're doing and put your phone on airplane mode. So it's there if you need it. Right. Like I'm at the point now where I want to leave my phone at home and get lost because I want to actually be lost, you know? Yeah. But that takes time to build up just like anything else. Right. And then the amount of things you can learn, it's like a case study of your own intuition, your own breath all day long. You get to see the way you respond and react to fears, to frustrations. Your tire goes flat on the bike. Like, Things Mm -hmm. that happen get to teach you about yourself. And yes, you asked about food, but you can't become an intuitive eater until you become intuitive. And you can't become intuitive without letting yourself fall, letting yourself fail, letting yourself get lost. Because in that is intuition. Right. And letting go of control. I love that that was a question about food and you didn't speak about food at all. So I want to leave it at that yeah. and not even talk yeah, about food. Yeah, good. Yeah, because... it's funny. Anytime, like I don't love to do like food sessions anymore with people, right. but anytime someone's like, can we just hop on a call? I'm feeling so lost. I don't mention food the entire time. Yeah. It's not about the food. it's never the food. about the food. It's exactly. not about the food. And I do want to say something that's really cool as a generator, something that Jenna said years ago, when the first time that we met. She said, you could... She said, the thing about you with food is you could sit and as long as you light a candle as you're eating that like burger from in and out you can eat that and it'll be digested so beautifully and taken into your body because of the way that your body's made up. Like right. it doesn't really matter what you're eating as long as there's an intention connected to it. And I was like, that is so true. It's so free. Because I could eat a huge, beautiful salad that's a quote unquote perfect lunch. Right. It's gluten-free and dairy-free and vegan and all the things. But if I just like smash it and I'm not connected to it intuitively, or if I don't light a candle in my mind, even if I don't, if there's not an intention there and I'm not paying attention, I'll get a stomach ache. 
Yeah. Because I'm not connected to it. As soon as I connect to it, I'm like, wow, this burger is going to fuel me from the inside out and I need it right now. I'm bleeding. I'm on my period. Whatever it is, the minute I connect to the why, it doesn't matter. I love that. I feel like it's so empowering for people to know their human design and the way that they eat Mm -hmm. and Jenna's courses and things. Like I've learned so much. Me too. With my human design, what she taught me was eating alone Mm. is how I digest the best. Oh, for sure. And so even if I get the opportunity to eat without Jonathan, I'm like so happy because I'll just bring my food into the bath and I'll eat and I'll light a candle and like the simplicity is big for me with food, yeah. with human design. Yeah. So like a simple meal by myself yeah. is heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that about you is intuitive. Exactly. And if Jenna were to tell you, you should do such and such, and it doesn't vibrate with you, that's part of your intuition too, yeah, is exactly. knowing that the Jenna's of the world or me with intuitive eating or what, it's, it's not an end-all be-all. It's more information that you get to gather. Figure out what your moon sign is and your sun sign. And what does that mean about the way that you live in the world and show up in the world? And it's great to know your human design. And um, I just did this really cool thing. I'll try and remember what it's called. So I just did a really cool session while I was traveling in Tulum. It's called the Gene Key. Amazing. And um, same idea. Like it's all information. That one has a lot to do with like wounds that you're born with right? and things you should be healing and things like that. But again, like it's all relative. It is. Someone reached out to me and told me my whole gene key profile. Oh. I don't know if it's we a should compare or what. We yeah. should. I would have to find it. I would have he to says, do it again. He, he looks at it as like human design on crack. Right. He's like, it's even more. It was more very ev- interesting when they told me what it was. It was someone who follows me. If you're listening, you, you should tell me again because I want to see it again. But um, it was so spot on. Yeah. It's like your emotions and your emotional wounds, yep. how you approach the world. Yep. We're probably butchering it. We can talk all about this on a different episode because yeah, it's the, really interesting. Yeah, but the point is, is like, see the tarot card readers. See the, see the intuitive coaches that help you. But at the end of the day, all of this stuff is just knowledge to get to know yourself better. And the more time you spend alone and the more time you spend stretching your growth edges and doing things that terrify you, like getting lost in a foreign country, right. going to a new restaurant, discovering something new about yourself, about the world, about that local person. Those are the moments of just those challenges break you open and give you an opportunity of so much growth and so much beauty. And that's really what life is about. And also being sensitive to like where you're at in your journey. You know, it's, you don't have to go to like A to Z. You don't have to go that far. You don't have to go like immediately to like zero to a hundred. You can just get lost in your own city. So that pertains to intuitive eating, intuitive movement. Just being a more intuitive person is that kind of practice of getting lost. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Yeah. And so I found a lot of freedom. Um, I struggled through most of my twenties, I had no concept living in a small town in Maryland of like what like Hollywood was or skinny or fat. Like I just knew that I was fit. I was an athlete. I played soccer. I was a cheerleader professionally. And like we did competitions and I was always playing with my brother outside. And like, I was just active, but being so far removed from like the Hollywood culture and not having like people magazine to compare it to, or I just didn't have an awareness. And that was a really naive, beautiful thing 
Then I moved to LA. I went to college at UCLA and like surrounded by insecure 20 year olds, you know, like there's nothing else. It's almost impossible to avoid becoming self-conscious. So I was like, oh, I'm a little chubby or I'm a little this, or I need to, oh, they're controlling the way they eat. Maybe I should control the way I eat. And so you just kind of feed into each other and you're in a discovery place. I feel like the 20, your 20s are just like, you're just discovering who you are. So I think it's all good. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't judge yourself if you've gone through, if you're going through right now an eating disordered type of thing, something that seems unhealthy. We've all been there on different, you know, no, I wasn't, you know, starving myself. No, I wasn't bulimic, but like, just because there's not a label for it, I was very unhealthy. I was trying to control what I was eating. I wasn't listening to what my body actually wanted. I would get hunger cues. I would ignore it because I was trying to starve myself. Then I'd be starving. So then I would binge eat. Then I would punish myself the next day by working out hard. Like that whole thing is just so hard on the body. And then you, every time that you ignore those cues, every time that you ignore your intuition, you're telling it to get quieter and quieter. And then you just can't hear it anymore. Right. You just can't hear it anymore. So then you have to get lost. You have to find yourself again. And that might be six months or six years of getting lost in your eating disorder until you pull yourself out. Mm-hmm. The only thing that pulled me out of my dysfunctions were me. And getting help. And asking for, you know, there's a place for all of the healers. And there's a place for you just getting quiet and being like, I need to pull myself out of this. And here's what I need to do. So true. Yeah, that's huge. I love that approach and very, sounds very familiar. (laughs) I've very much been there and how beautiful to grow up away from all of that. Like having grown up in California, I just don't even know what that would be like. So that's great that you had that in your childhood for sure. And I think like living in LA now, my kids are in the industry. We're in the industry. Like, sure, they're going to be around that kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm it's a choice and it's a choice in the way that I raise them. They also, on the flip side, the opposite end of the spectrum, go to a Waldorf school where they're in nature all day. They can't be on technology. They're not allowed to wear labels or logos or any brands. Same type of school that I went to that my future kids will go to. And it helps balance the world and the craziness. And not all, not all Hollywood is bad. Not all like looking at magazines is bad. It's your, it's the you behind it. And let's talk about filters in a second because I think that's a good segue. But I think like if you can read Vogue magazine or you can read People magazine or fuck, if you can read OK or one of those and just hold on to your own, just like I have a scale in my bathroom now. I can't tell you the last time I stepped on it. I'll be like, oh, I should weigh myself. I wonder. And then I just forget because I just don't care. The amount of desserts in my house, there are like straight up Oreos in my house. 10 years ago, I would have binged the shit out of those Oreos. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't even remember they're there. I'm like, yeah. oh, you bought the, huh. If I want them, I will eat them. But I'm not, it's it's a dis- totally different It's a beautiful heartbeat. place to be. It's a Absolutely. totally different heartbeat. And Absolutely. Same thing goes for reading those magazines. Like, no, I'm not going to spend my dollars on OK Magazine. I'm not. But it's my responsibility to own my response and my reaction to the thing, right? to the magazine, to the models that I'm friends with or not friends with or on set with, to TV shows with like hot girl, whatever, to um, a scale being in my bathroom, to, you know, crappy foods, quote unquote, being in my kitchen. All of that, like my triggers and my, like, I want to be leaning into those triggers constantly to heal. 
Yes. You know, and just like, you know, we'll talk about it later, but when it comes to radical transparency in relationships, it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't like leaning into triggers, but now I know on the other side of that is so much growth and totally. I'll be a less frightened person. I'll walk around in the world with less fears. I can walk into any situation now, any restaurant, any dinner party, any house that I hold on to my own because food is not the enemy. It's me. For sure. Right? I love that we're talking about this because you have such a unique approach, such a Sophie approach that has taught me so much and just Mm -hmm. knowing you because you're able to do, well, you teach others as well as you live this way that you can, um, how do I put this? I need to think of the right way to do it. I think, okay, here's a good example of what I'm trying to say. When I stopped drinking alcohol and then you kind of spoke with me about the approach of like, you can drink alcohol or not drink alcohol. It's not about that. You can also consciously drink alcohol and it doesn't, it's, it doesn't have to be this poison type of thing. It doesn't have to define you. So that's what I mean. So mm-hmm. alcohol or not, put that in any situation. Any situation. And that's how you live. Yeah. And I love that about you yeah. so much. And you know why? Thank you for saying that. I love you so much. I, I don't like the feeling of not something being more in control than me. Right. Whether it be alcohol, drugs, a scale. I don't want something to have more power than me. Why are those Oreo cookies looking at me like that? Like, I don't want (laughs) you to look at me like the the pressure. It's glaring at me through the cabinet. Like the fact that a box of dead Oreos can have that power (laughs) over me is fucked. Dead Oreos. Dead Oreos. It's true. Well, yes. And that's why like (laughs) And even at something as powerful as cocaine, drugs, whatever your thing of choice is. And that has helped me a lot, I have to say, because I haven't drank in a couple of years, mostly because of Lyme, but also because I don't even want to. But because of conversations that you and I have had, um, I don't think of it so black and white. It's more free. If you had a glass of wine in your hand right now and I wanted some, I would would take a sip. And so that's just a beautiful way to approach life. And like Jonathan said, when he popped into the room a few minutes ago and he was like, talk about drugs. (laughs) We, you and I both love our psychedelics. And before we talk about the filter thing, which I'm excited about, let's just quickly touch on psychedelics and like conscious use of mind altering substances because that's So my husband, first of all, if you don't um, follow our work, we have a podcast called Ignited and Adi works with clients to help them recover from whatever it is that they're addicted to. So he works on with everything from sex addicts, to quote unquote, to drug addicts, to alcoholics, to whatever it is that you classify your drug of choice to be, whether it be shopping, gambling, right? There's plenty of things we could be addicted to controlling, um, including food. He works with food addicts and he wants to erase the way that we look at that. And I've gotten a lot of, you know, that's my own intuitive kind of juices that I've shared with you in terms of like, I don't want that thing to run my life, but he has a very similar mindset in like this moderation and, and being, you know, yes, being more intuitive, he doesn't call it that, but it's a very moderate way of being like, his clients will say like, so when I, when can I drink again? And he's like, you can drink again the minute you stop asking me when you can drink again. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's not, it's like I said, I walk by the scale and I'm like, oh, I should weigh myself. And then I just forget. Right. I walk by the Oreos and they're there and now they're moldy because I just forgot. It just right. doesn't light me up or I can crumble it on some ice cream and no big deal. It's not, I'm not, it's not going to run my life. Exactly. Same with drugs, same with alcohol, same with anything. So when Adi and I met, we had been through, well, 
put it this way. A few years after we met, we had already been through cheating, lies, betrayal. I came out of a five-year abusive relationship with my ex-boyfriend. We were pretty much like rocked. Like we had a terrible foundation and he had already been to jail for drug addiction. He sold drugs. He went to, he didn't go to jail for drug addiction. He went to jail for being a drug dealer and also was addicted to drugs. And you know, the only reason that he got out with 13 felony counts is because his family has money, not even that much, but his dad was a doctor in New York when he was alive and he's white. That's the only reason he's out because if, if a black man would have 13 felony counts, including having a gun, he would have been in a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So, so blessed and lucky. And we know we don't take a minute for that for, for granted, which is why a D life purpose is to help people because he knows he's been given a second chance. So when I met him, I fell in love with that light and that I didn't know what it was, but I was like, holy shit, this guy is like on a mission. And I could tell just by sitting next to me, like he was giving off this vibrant energy. Yeah. And I'm the type of person I wake up in the day and I just open the curtains and I'm so excited for life for the most part. Yes. And so when I met him, I was like, wow, he's even more like alive than I am. He's even more. And then Two months later, he told me his whole story and was like, I was in jail. I went to jail for a year. All of this stuff happened. Um, my life's purpose now, he was going back to school to get his PhD in neuroscience so he could help addicts and change the way the addiction system works. So for him now, he had a rehab for five years in Beverly Hills called Alternatives. He was helping people outpatient, you know, thousands of dollars, um, like tens of thousands a week to help them because that's how much inpatient or outpatient rehab is. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like that. It was just like revolving door, so expensive, unattainable for most people. So now he started an online ignited as his platform. Basically we have a podcast called ignited, but he also has this entire recovery platform made for ignited heroes who get over this thing, whatever it is, fill in the blank, right? Scale, food, uh, shopping, gambling, whatever it is, drugs. And again, coming back to that principle of like the thing, the substance is not the enemy. Nothing is inherently bad or good, just like food. Nothing Mm -hmm. is bad or good. It's the energy we attach to it. And that attachment is what can get heavy, murky, too strong, too powerful, but it's what we attach to it in our own bodies. It's the triggers that we create the response for. Like if you put like, you know, if you brought Molly MDMA out here right now, I would have a visceral response because I have a very positive association with it. So if you put two pills sitting here and we started talking about MDMA, I would have a visceral response. Yes. Just as a Coke head would have the same thing if you put a pile of Coke there, just as if you put a bottle of tequila ice cold on the counter and like someone hasn't had alcohol in 20 years and like they were... You know, it's like these visceral, so we create these attachments and what Adi and I both love to do as hard as it can be is lean into those triggers, lean into that box of Oreos being there. Maybe first it's in a locked box in the kitchen and then it's in a, in the refrigerator with like, it's tied up. And then it's like, you know, and then it's on the counter and you're just like, there they are. They don't run me. They don't run my life. So really figuring out like, what in life could I have more balance with? And, and then going from there. And I think when Adi and I met, we were both searching for something. He was searching for a new life and wanted to help people. 
And I was searching for my life partner and I wanted to really have the first healthy relationship that I had really had in terms of with a man. Um, And so we were each other's, we had, it was like a science experiment. It was like all of the learning and the growth that we ever needed was in those first few years. And we had that cheating to go on and we realized that we had to be radically transparent. And one thing that we had to do, well, all right, let me rephrase that. Let's say it. We had to. Okay, let me say that again. One thing that we did from the very beginning is when we got, we started going to therapy because there was some cheating, there was some lies, deceit, some like rocky start, and we were in therapy. And I just, ha- I, I had tried MDMA once with my ex boyfriend. It wasn't a good experience because he and I didn't have a good relationship. Yeah. But I could feel that there was something there. And Adi and I at this point had so many layers built up and so many like walls around us as I'm sure that you've had these experiences, it was impossible to even have a conversation without getting so heated and so angry and getting so triggered. It was like, we couldn't get anywhere. So we were wasting our money in therapy. And I said one day, I think that there's something, I'm getting a hit that a D and I need to try MDMA together. And the therapist was on board. She was like, you know, cause it is, it is like lots of studies are being done right now. And, um, we're actually really close to it being legal again for um, yes. therapists to use in therapeutic settings. So, and it's being done all the time, but it'll be official yes. soon. So she understood the benefit, but Adi had all these triggers. He's like, well, what if it makes me relapse to other things? And we're parents. Like, what about the shame and the guilt? And the da-da-da-da? So we talked for months about it. Oh, wow. And I was the one pushing. I was, and I'd only ha- tried it once. I did and I just kept pushing. And I was like, I know this is going to be good for us. I know this is going to be good for us. I know. And finally we broke through with our did therapist's you do it help. in therapy? We didn't do it in therapy. I actually didn't want to. I was like, I don't really want to be in the therapist's yeah. office. It just didn't feel right. But we had a beautiful experience and we have been using it medicinally ever since. So going on like seven, eight years now, a few times a year. And it is our medicine. Now, just as anything, a medicine can also be something that's toxic, right? Like that might not work for someone who's listening. Maybe that isn't intuitively what feels right for you. For me, it's the medicine for me, myself, my sexual trauma, the cheating, the lies, the deceit. It pulls down my boundaries. I have so much pent up like sexual energy because I, it wasn't safe in my early, like 16 to 20 with my ex, it wasn't safe to be a sexual being. He would rip my clothes up and he was really abusive and um, it was scary. So to me, I was like really fragile and holding on really tight and I refused to let go sexually. And Adi was on the opposite end of the spectrum. So it threatened me even more Yeah, and made me feel even more afraid. Like I couldn't be myself. And MDMA helped us to talk through things immediately within 30 minutes of it hitting that we hadn't been able to talk about in therapy over months. And so these sessions that we have with integrity, with an in, like an intention, right? Just like anything, right? I can sit and have that burger by candlelight. I can have Molly or MDMA with intention or not. It can be sloppy. You could take it at a club and it's a very different experience to go dancing until four in the morning mm-hmm. and like the lights come on. You're like, oh my God, that's way different <laughs> Absolutely. than in ceremony, than with intention. So we've done it with intention and we've had the most magical transformative experiences. And 
I love doing psychedelics as well. We love doing mushrooms. We get chocolate mushrooms and love them. Personally, I find it hard to create the space for that because as a mom, I feel like you need so many hours. True. So for me, it's been a, I love mushrooms. I think they're amazing. I just personally need to find a way to like, in my mind, dedicate it, you know? That makes sense. I think about that a lot because I microdose mushrooms all the time. And I think constantly, what if I was a mom? Like when I am a mom, I will miss this, but it you can doesn't still have, have, to go have one that. Exactly. So that's the other thing of like that freedom of like you could have a sip of alcohol. It's not the enemy. Right. It's not the devil. It's the same thought. You know, I have three kids. We do MDMA four or five times a year. You can have. We both work full time. Right. We have great relationships with our children. Like you can have both. Totally. And just knowing that like anything is possible in life if you want it enough. If you. Remember, and hopefully you'll come back to this podcast when you're like, you have a four and a two-year-old and you're like, fuck my life. Yes. Remember these moments of like, this thing mattered to me when I was 29. Yeah. Okay. It might matter then when you're 39 too. Absolutely. Check in with that. Because being able to channel old versions of who we were in a good way, like things that made us feel good or feel young or feel spirited, if you can channel that, you can bring that energy into your now, right? Like when I'm on Molly, I run around naked. I'm like so happy, no shame. I'm cracking up laughing. I'm so in love with everyone I'm with. And just, it's just pure joy and euphoria. And, you know, on MD, on Molly or on um, mushrooms, I just laugh my ass off. Like a eight year old, Mm -hmm. I just laugh, you know? And like to be able to integrate that into your normal life is so important and so vital. And whether it be from like, you know, weed is legal in California and many states now, edibles can do that. It can be because I've done these other drugs. I can channel the way I feel on mushrooms on an edible. Totally. I can take two milligrams of an edible. And like, that's how sharp that channeling is for me. Yes. I can look at MDMA and feel like I'm high. Totally. I can take a teeny tiny nibble of something and feel hot. And like, that's That's the beauty, right? That's the truth. Yes. It's like that tiny nibble and it's just the energy of it and the energy of being around it or the energy of having it in your system. How it embodies you. Totally. How you become when you're on that thing. Like that is enough of the inspiration is just that little. So now I've got it down to like a science. I take such a small amount of MDMA. It's amazing. I have no hangover. Yeah. Less of a hangover Um, than I would from two glasses of wine. Like it's amazing. The small amount is everything. everything. It's everything. And also letting there be space and not being like, I only do it this way now. Exactly. Because that's part of the problem. Being like, I may take a whole bar by myself one day and like not have shame or guilt because that's what I need at that point to transform or to like- You're totally reminding me that because recently I've been like, I can only nibble. I can only have a nibble because I'm scared of this one thing that happened. um, And Bali, right? Yeah. When I had like a really scary experience, panic attack, but I know- it wasn't the mush. It wasn't the plant medicine. It was the circumstance. Yeah. I was very tired. Like, and I need you to- You just got married. You right, were run down. R- exhausted. Yeah. I mean- and, and knowing yourself well enough to be like, I'm too run down to go on this journey. Exactly. And if you don't honor that, the drug, the medicine will show you. But I think it also showed me what I needed to see. Beautiful. Even though it was very scary. It was huge. It was like this huge message from the medicine and from my higher self. Like, 
you need to be in nature more. Like that's what was happening. And so I felt like I was throwing up demons, Mm -hmm. but I also was getting this clear message. You're not in nature enough. You're in this like... Mm -hmm. You're city. just, you were in the city and in between all these buildings and your soul wants to burst out and play. And I feel that. So I got the message and it was scary, but I know I can handle that. And it's we not can for handle everybody. everything that comes our way. Sure. And there's a safe way to do all these things. And yeah, I think there's nothing that's inherently bad. And we grow up in this society where like being sexy this way is bad, but being sexy this way is okay. Um, doing these drugs are okay. Alcohol, yeah. uh, caffeine, um, you know, mm-hmm. porn, like all these other mm-hmm. like terrible things for us, you know, those are okay. Yeah. But these things, plant medicine, oh no. Oh, empty. Like, I know. It's so silly. Or it's like, you can be, for Lyme, for example, yeah. like, take all these Western medications. That's okay. That's accepted. But God forbid you do a plant medicine right. and you're like exiled from traditional community because you're so crazy, quote unquote. And of it's course. like, because people love black or white drug? thinking. People love to put things in a box and it makes us feel safe exactly. to put a label on something and say, I'm a vegetarian forever. I don't do drugs. I only drink alcohol. (laughs) Totally. I'm not, I would never want to be a mother. And then all of a sudden you have an instinct to be a mother and you're like, well, I already told everyone that I didn't want to be a mother. You're allowed to change your mind. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's no absolutes. Absolutes are the most dangerous things. Just a brief interruption from this episode with Sophie to tell you that I am so excited about Waking Back Up to Your Soul, my spiritual course that I am leading you guys through live for the first time since last year and probably the only time I got the intuitive hit in a meditation to lead you guys through this program live because I feel like, and I know in my heart, in my soul, in my bones, where I am going on this spiritual journey is so deep and so huge. And I just keep doing more plant medicine experiences. I keep having deeper and deeper meditation journeys. And where I'm going is a wild and exciting place. And I want to bring you with me. And so in order for you to come with me, I feel like starting with waking back up to your soul is the place to be. So in the show notes, you will find the link to Waking Back Up to Your Soul on August 24th. We are starting the live version. So join me, join all of the other amazing Soul on Fire humans who are going on this journey and waking back up to their soul, healing ancestral trauma, learning to deal with the fifth dimensional ascension that we are going through right now on this earth and how to use that energy wisely. It is so potent. Um, There's so many fabulous things we can do to work with our intuition and manifest our desires. So the link is in the show notes. You can also go to my website. Join us for Waking Back Up to Your Soul. You have just a couple more days to sign up as of the day that this episode comes out. So hop on it, my loves. Let me know if you have any questions. You can email me. You can DM me. Hopefully I'll see your DM. I'm kind of crazy with my DMs, but if you email me, I will certainly see it. And now let's head back into this episode with Sophie. So let's talk about the filter thing. Yeah. Before we were recording, just so everybody knows, we were talking about filters on Instagram. We did a story together. We used a cute filter. And 
we have kind of a unique view about filters yeah. or maybe it's not unique. Maybe a lot of people feel this way. So I'll let you share. Yeah. I, I think both Jordan and I have mutual friends who have brought up, you know, or people in our community who have brought up this idea of filters, not necessarily being bad, but just like bringing attention and light to the fact that they don't like them. And that's fine to each their own. What Jordan and I were talking about is like, we use filters and it doesn't matter. It doesn't change who we are as people because we are so transparent in who we are in every other way that it doesn't matter if you slap a filter on it. And personally, I just don't like wearing a lot of makeup. So I just like to wear a filter because if I have to story or if I want to check in with my community and I don't feel like putting makeup on or covering up that pimple, I'll just slap a filter on it. And then I don't have to put on makeup and waste 20 minutes putting on makeup and then dry out my face and have to take it off later. Like a lot of these people that are saying anti-filters have, are wearing makeup. Totally, totally. the deeper thing and the reason that filters don't bother me on myself or someone like you, Jordan, or people that we, you know, that are our good friends that we understand that like the, the why behind it is to A, create an aesthetic it's part of the brand. Absolutely. Like I use certain filters every single day. You can recognize that it distinct, like it, it creates a distinction between another brand and B, if you're being transparent all the time and you're sharing from your heart and your soul, who cares if there's like rainbows over it? Totally. Who cares? That's how I feel. It's like, if I'm hopping on my stories to talk about channeling the Pleiadian light beings and like this happened today and it's coming from my heart and my soul. It only increases the value of the content. Yeah. And I'm if just it's beautiful. excited. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I love, I'm a sucker for beauty. That's yep. the thing. I'm a sucker for like beautiful aesthetic and brand and anything can be beautiful. No filter can be beautiful. Yep. But if I'm not feeling that, then it's and not I, as exciting. I think it's an awareness also that like the person watching, because a lot of the things that, that our friends were talking about online is like, well, it's dangerous for like women that are young and are potentially comparing themselves to someone like us. And it's like, thank goodness there's that transparency on Instagram where it says that you're using a filter. Now, most of the time you can tell if someone's using a filter. If you can't, you'll notice in the top left-hand corner of the Instagram story, there's a name on it. That name is a filter. So it's very transparent. It's not, no one's hiding they're using filters. I openly use filters. And I think it's important to go deeper than whether or not someone's using a filter and just see how are they conducting their lives? Right. How do they show up on a daily basis for their communities? Exactly. Are they pretending they're perfect and they wake up and they have this model stretch and then they go and get this beautiful super? Like, no, like that's not what we're doing. And also Instagram is not reality. Social media is not reality. It is a small snippet. Like on days that I story a lot, I'm like, damn, you know, those little dashes are so small. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, they I storied a dots. lot. And mm-hmm. then I think about it. I'm like, oh, they're only 15 second things. That's four minutes of my day. Right. My long day of storying, quote unquote, is four or five minutes of my entire day of 24 hours exactly. of my life. Well, that's how I feel. It's like, if someone wants to judge my or anyone's use of filters, like, why don't you spend some time with me in real life yeah. and see how I am yeah. and see who I am? And I get that like a lot of people in our communities, like we don't have the chance to hang out in yeah. real life. Yeah. That's fine. But what- But maybe I've, do a little bit more work. What like I've listen learned, to your podcast. For like, sure. What I've learned is like, There's some quote that I love that says, don't let the people who know you the least make their opinion the loudest Uh, in your head and something like that. Yes. So, and that's something that you and I both like have struggled with throughout the years. We're so 
susceptible and open to criticism and our community. So if I hear something and it hurts me, then I think, no, let me go to someone who knows me the most and ask them how they feel about that about me. If I just need some outside perspective, obviously the best work to do is is inside. But if I'm feeling sad about what someone said online... I'm like, Jonathan, or my mom, or you, like close friend, what do you think about me in this? And then I hear the truth, which is bad or good or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, someone who knows me the most. That's what really matters. I can take that opinion in the highest. The people in my life are radically transparent with me. They want me to be the best version of who I am. Totally. So I trust that the person on the other side of the phone, I can promise you, does not have the best intentions necessarily for you when they're giving you a judgment or a criticism. They're talking about their own insecurities. Their own stuff is in the way. And when they're saying those things to you or I, or whoever's listening, if you get a bad message from someone, it's much more about the person sending it than it is the person that's receiving it. Totally agree. And taking ownership about that. I'm trying so hard to just block people right away or restrict them. Just if I can't, you know, especially when it comes to politics, when it comes to like these human rights issues in the world, I'm not, I'm just not like going to pretend. And if someone can't have a fair argument, then I'm out, you know, like the minute it gets ridiculous. Who wants to be arguing online anyway? And I think like anybody who knows you knows that you're full of light. You are such an activist. You're helping so many people. That's the way you're raising your children. And if anyone disagrees with that, like they can be blocked and deleted and sent love. And that's all that matters. They can can find the people to follow that resonate with them. Yep. So radical transparency, it's a huge part of your brand and the way you live your life. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So Adi and I are actually, that's going to be our first book we write. Oh my God. We just decided. What's it going to be called? We don't know. I'm not sure, but it'll be like, kind of like a mix between a workbook and just like our first, it'll be short. So it'll just kind of get the messaging out about what this what this concept of radical transparency is. Um, we just did an Instagram TV on it. It was super quick, but it comes so naturally to us. Our like slogan for Ignited is radical transparency is fire. Like we have that on our mugs. Like we, this is what we are. We I want are, a mug. Oh, done. I need a mug. Sending you a mug. Yes. Yeah, we, we just live and breathe radical transparency. And ever since all the cheating in the beginning of the relationship, when we kind of figured out, like I figured out, I was like, I want to know everything, everything. I don't want to just hear that you went to the coffee shop. I want to hear that you went to the coffee shop, what you ordered and anything that's relevant. If you saw a girl and she made you excited, I want to hear that. If you kind of flirted with the waitress when you went to the coffee, I want to hear that because that is real and that is human. And that only will then in a healthy place, fuel our sex life. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about like, it started for me out of a necessity with a D because I didn't trust him those skies weren't blue anymore. Grass wasn't green. It was, everything was flipped upside down. Up wasn't up anymore. It was just like, what is life? Because all these world, his whole secret world came out. And I was just like, I think we talk about this on the third podcast, right? So if you want to hear more about our actual story, go to the third episode of Jordan's podcast and you'll hear our actual story. And on our Ignited podcast, we have one labeled our story. It's a two part. We talk about it all the time, but, um, you know, we really believe in couples fighting for the relationship because the divorce rate is so high in our country. Like not just thinking once a cheater, always a cheater. Like no one in life is a fuck up for life, like because they make one mistake, you know? And 
we really want to be an example of that, but also knowing that when things are toxic and way beyond fixing, if someone's in a really unhealthy relationship, then you got to leave and knowing what that is, but not necessarily leaving just because you don't want to do the work. So radical transparency has been um, a concept that we created out of necessity because I needed to build trust with a D and throughout time has been really like the anchor that allowed us to feel safe, to play, to explore, to heal, and to have this beautiful dynamic relationship that we do. The foundation is radical transparency. It's showing up. And just as you and I have conversations, Jordan, like we are radically transparent. We let it all out. And that allows, when I walk in and I tell you all my things and we haven't seen each other a while, that gives you the safety to then do the same and then open up your heart and soul. And so it has this beautiful um, trickle effect to every part in your life, right? So if I have a radically transparent relationship with my husband and I'm practicing this constantly, then it's inevitable that my best friends will also start having this relationship with radical transparency. It's inevitable that like, the relationships with my parents will also be radically transparent because you can't, wherever you go, there you are in the whole world. You can travel the world large and like what makes you, you will show up wherever you are, where your demons are, where your, your fears are. And so same thing goes with your relationships. Like if you're living a radically transparent life, like you have nowhere to hide. So a D and I are radically transparent on our podcast. Millions of people have listened We talk about our deepest, darkest secrets, you know, same with when we go on pot, same when we're on TV, same when we're with our friends, we're the same version of who we are, whether you're sitting at Shabbat dinner with us, or you're at an event with us, or you're listening to our podcast. And that is what radical transparency is and not holding back and not putting on like this facade or this face. It's just, this is who I am. So back to the filter thing. Who gives a shit if you put a filter over it? Exactly. If you want to look a little cuter or you want to like judge your whatever, the coloring, or maybe it's dark, who cares? Exactly. The amount of work that we've put in to showing up to the world radically transparent, like who cares at the end of the day if you're wearing a designer bag, which to me, I don't, I don't, I've never cared about that kind of thing, but I'm not going to judge someone because they wear a $5,000 bag. But that's what makes them happy as long as it's not actually the thing that mm-hmm, makes them happy. Mm-hmm. It's yet another fun thing that enhances their life. Like filters make me happy sometimes. Yeah. They show like a happier version and that's okay with me we, if it means it's going to lift me and lift my following. Yes. Joy. Joy is so important. That's how I feel about coffee, by the way. Coffee, which is like this stimulant and has been recommended by many doctors and Lyme specialists that I cut out of my life. And I did for a couple of years, but now it just makes me happy. And I don't really care. And you're and following your intuition. Yeah. yeah and if you know better than the doctors do. It's my intuition. And people ask me every day, wait, you're drinking coffee? Like, what about your histamine issues? What about your hives? What about this and that? I'm like, it may makes me happy. Yep. And if Happiness I can't have, can go a long way, exactly. y'all. A oh my long God. way. It gets me out of bed in the morning. Yep, same. And I don't care if that's sad because it's like, otherwise I don't feel good. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. Coffee all the way and filters and like whatever makes you happy. Yeah. 
It's so good. I love that. So I'm looking at the questions people sent in. um, So many good ones. But something that I definitely want to touch on is Noah. Mm. The last time you were on the podcast, you had two beautiful children. Now you have three. You have a daughter now. You, You had two boys. And you guys did a specific method to try to have a girl. And we've discussed like this worked for you. We don't know if this would work for everybody. But yeah. tell us about yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I was very kind of coming on because I haven't even shared the story on my own podcast yet. And I definitely want to share the story. I just also want to be really sensitive to anyone who's listening, knowing that take all of this with a grain of salt, you know, trying to really connect to the energy of what I'm sharing and not specific pinpoints of like, this is the way that it has to be done. I am very aware that it's a 50-50 chance to have a boy or a girl. That is just science. It's 50-50. There's two options. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one or the other. And, you know, I think my entire life I've known that my energy and my participation in my life in partnership with the universe seems to have an effect. Whether that's true or not, and these things were already on their way to me or... I am participating in this partnership with the universe in my life. The trajectory of my life has felt like I've been someone in the driver's seat. I do feel like I have a lot of control and a lot of hard work. It's not just manifestation, crystals, and unicorns at all. That's a part of it. Being optimistic, believing that it's already on its way to me is a huge part to it. But it's very much about the hard work that goes into it and staying on course. So when people are saying, are you going to, well, what happens if it's a boy? I just don't even consider that to be a possibility. I got pink nails. Mm-hmm. I bought her dresses. I bought her books. She was already on her way to us. And the minute that I decided, it took five years before I could convince a D to even have another baby. Yeah. I wanted a girl. And I was clear we were going to have a girl and call in a girl. I even saw Rebecca Rosen, who's a spirit guide. Ooh. She's a channeler. And she told me, there's another baby on the way. I see it and it's a boy. And I said, you're wrong. I said, you're wrong. In the middle of a group thing, I Uh said, it's not a boy, it's a girl. So it's, it's being so steadfast and so clear in what it is you're calling in. And you know what? I may have been wrong at the end. It could have turned out 50-50 chance. But energetically, the amount of energy and love and dedication I poured into this thing I wanted so badly, same with my house, same with my partnership, same with my relationship, same with my show, all of it. Like I have so many stories of the things that I feel I, I had a partnership relationship in manifesting from my children's school, which is usually a $30,000 school. And we happen to find this Waldorf school that's free and part of LA County. Like all of these things that like started with an idea, a little seed, a little, what does Lacey call it? A ping. Mm-hmm. These little, this little seed that I plant. And then over time, just with energy and trust, it evolves. And so for Noah, the minute that I knew that like it was on, a D was on board, I was ready. I started prepping my body. I did a ceremony around it. I bought clothes for her. I wore, you know, I've got my nails painted pink. I started speaking as if she was already on her way to us. And then we read this book called The Shuttles Method. The Shuttles Method is something, and when I say we, I mean a D read it and then told me everything. 
it's a book based on picking the gender that you want. And it's a lot easier to pick a male than it is a female. It's a higher percentage chance. But if you follow these things to a T, which we did, a lot of things that like, you know, I wasn't allowed to orgasm during sex. I had a specific diet. I ate a more acidic diet. So I was having more coffee and more pineapple and more meat. Interesting. Like all these things. And it's like, here's the thing about, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Um, the placebo effect. Yes. Here's the thing about placebo effect. And every scientific person will tell you the same thing. Who gives a shit whether it works or not? Exactly. Because if you believe that it works, because if you believe it, yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the minute I take something for my headache, when I have a headache, it's already gone, gone. by the time I take it. I know. They, same as when I'm looking at MDMA sitting there, I'm like, oh, I'm already high. Mm-hmm. It's an energy. So to me, it was about bringing in the energy of like, okay, I'm going to do all these things and check all these boxes. I am fully on board with having a girl. And everyone around me, even my best friends were like, but what if it's a boy? I'm like, shh, exactly, it's not. You're not it's think not. About I'm not it. letting my mind go there. Because of course, if I'm pregnant with a boy, we'll cross that bridge. Would I have been sad? Yes. Would I have gotten over it? Of course. I was sad when Leo was a boy. I burst into tears. I was certain it was a girl. It wasn't. Yeah. Guess what? I can't imagine life without Leo. Yeah. Without Leo in my life, I cannot even imagine what my world would be like. So this is not to say that one gender is better than, a, than another. I knew that she was meant for our family and for my healing. I needed this. I had so much trauma with my own mother. That mother wound was so strong. And it was almost like the minute I decided I wanted to have the girl that that relationship with my mom, that pressure already started to ease up already just from the intention, just from releasing some of that energy. So yeah, we did the shuttles method to a T. We tried a couple cycles and then I found out I was pregnant and then you and I met up on your birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday. We went to Kundalini. We went to Kundalini. October 11th. I had just found out and October 11th is my anniversary. Yeah. That was so cool. There was so many special things so about that. So synchronistic. And it was kundalini, which means we were like going, going places. Level. Yeah. So I came that home a from a New day. York trip. I was I filmed on a TV show because I was doing this Yoga Girls TV show. Yeah, I remember. And I flew home that night before. I was so hungry on the flight. I even had wine, I, but I knew I was pregnant. I was like, I'm pregnant. That's I was eating, amazing. I, was in, I got upgraded to first class and I was just eating like all the things. And I was like, Okay, got home, pitch black, whole house asleep, took the pregnancy test, woke up a D, like two in the morning. He was like, oh my God. And then I saw you the next day. We went to Kundalini and I just like had, throughout the entire time, like not just painting your nails pink or buying her dresses, but like hands on my womb after having sex and just talking to her, seeing her, visualizing her. Because if you think about it, if you can't visualize the thing that you want, whether it be a house, a person, a relationship, the love, if you can't visualize it, it's probably not going to happen. Exactly. You know, like we just got back from Mexico and my sister, I bought her a plane ticket to come meet us there. And I would have loved her to come. She ended up getting sick. Not, not too strange or far out from how she usually like runs things. She's just like not super social and probably got in her head about it. I never visualized her coming. I never saw her in the sand playing with us at exactly. the beach. I never really, I, I stayed on the phone for an hour with Delta booking our flight. Like, I went through the motions yeah. 
but I didn't really visualize it. So it didn't really happen. Exactly. Is that because I didn't visualize it or is it because it was never happening to begin with? I don't know. But if you can't visualize the thing you want, it can't happen. It's not happening. Exactly. It's not going to come through or it'll be a lot harder. That's for sure. I think about that all the time with things that haven't come to fruition for me that I could, I just couldn't see it. And, but I thought it was going to happen, but I couldn't see it. And like when I was really sick and thank God I feel a lot better these days, which is exciting. Um, I missed so many things, but I couldn't see myself there. And it was like big trips, weddings, things that I, I just, I couldn't see myself there. And then I couldn't go. go. Yeah. And because there are things that we don't even know. There are things beyond our capacity for understanding. Like maybe my sister would have come and something would have happened to the flight. Maybe my sister would have come and like, I don't know, something horrible when she landed and got into a car and got into the wrong taxi. Like there are so many random things that we don't really know that we should be, just listen to the signs. Yeah. Lean in, listen to the signs. And if you can't visualize it, there's probably a reason. Yeah. And I think time doesn't really exist. That's my perspective. So if you can't see it, maybe it's because it didn't happen yeah. and it's not going to happen. Yeah. And if time doesn't exist, and you then it also doesn't don't, really matter. There's a, there's a fine line between like not pushing things. Right. And manifesting and, and like believing that something's on its way to you and trusting it already is on its way to you. And not manipulating. Exactly. And not being psycho about it. Like, Mm -hmm. because you might actually miss an opportunity. Like if I, I visualize my house, like it's funny because Adi and I've been searching for years and years and years and we put offers down and it would fall through. And like, we, I never really saw us in that house or like, I didn't really want to live in the Valley or like whatever the thing was, it was like, oh good. I'm glad it didn't get approved or whatever. Only did I, I think it was like two weeks before we put an offer on our house we're in now. That was the first time in years that I sat down with a D at a restaurant and we wrote out what it was that we wanted in this new house. Not until I set the visualization up and created that reality, that possibility, did it end up happening a few weeks later. Exactly. Now, was it already on its way to us? Maybe. Did it help that we wrote all that down and we were crystal clear? Yes. It helps a lot. It helps a lot. And there are things on the list that maybe weren't true about this new house. Like if we're such sticklers about like, well, I wanted the man to be six foot four and he's five foot nine and like everything else is checked off. Like, honey, that's you. You need to be able to expand into whatever possibility it becomes and see it for what it is. Like, oh, this might be the thing I've been asking for. Let me let me be curious. Exactly. Instead of immediately shutting it down and being like, it wasn't exactly like this. He was supposed to be blonde. Right. Well, the universe had other plans for you. Trust that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That reminds me of when I, um, before I started dating Jonathan, I wrote a list. It was right around the time that you were on the podcast for the first time because yeah. that was December, 2016. I wrote this huge list of the love I was looking to call in, but I was very, I I put it into the universe and very much let it go because I wasn't really looking for that person, but I wrote all those things. And then on New Year's 2017, you and I hosted an event and Jonathan came. Can't. And that's when we started dating. Can't. He kissed me. He stuck around. He cleaned up with me. I was like, something's going on here. And then, yeah. And then the rest was history. I can't believe that. 
I can't believe how intertwined our like big moments have been. I know. That gives like, me chills. That's pretty. The night of you and Jonathan. Yeah. Like, the that morning our of event. Noah. Yeah. Our like, event. That's so amazing. Special. I love that. It's pretty meant to be. Yes. I mean, us knowing each other and Always just was. like in so many different ways, the ways that we're connected is so beautiful. Yeah. And- We've always complimented each other and had so much fun. We've done so many events together. Like, yes, I can't even list all the events that we've done. More classes together. Co-hosted so many classes. Can't wait to do that again. We should do a virtual one. We should do a virtual one. Like a hundred percent. Let's do it. I'll come over. That's that's the way the world right now. Yeah, yeah. Come over. We'll do it here. We'll set up the pretty plants and we'll make it special. Done. If you guys would like that, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Let us know what you want it to be. Put some we fire can do... under our butts so exactly. we actually do it. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the rapid fires yep. now. And I ask everybody who comes on. Okay, let's see here. Well, you already told us your sun rising and moon signs. Yep. You are a triple earth. You are a generator in human design. Um, who is your inspiration? Who's my inspiration in life? Yeah. Uh, probably my kids. Um, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I see us living very, um, fluidly. Like I don't see us necessarily living in one place. Um, but I don't know. I think it's, we love to travel. We can do anything that we do from home anywhere in the world. So, you know, I think I just want to keep growing and expanding. And I think the world has so many lessons and gifts when you travel. And like I said earlier, like follow that intuition and get lost. So yeah, I think in 10 years, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, but I'll have like two college age kids in yeah. 10 years. Oh my God. That's that wild. Nuts? Yes. So we could easily just like homeschool Noah and like be off in the world, yeah. you know? But yeah, I think like I'm really open to the possibility of whatever's meant to be. I, I'm not like, I'm not a person, like I never visualize my wedding day. I never visualize like buying a house for the first time. Like I just like when it's time for that to happen, then I can start to visualize what I want, but I just kind of get a hit and then I ride it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't want to force anything. I really want to just open up to whatever's meant to be at that time. And, um, just to trust that, you know, I'll be happy and, and healthy and yeah, just, in beautiful. love with my life. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? I don't know. What animal do you think I would be? Oh, gosh. I think you would be something very free-spirited, like a bird mm-hmm. or a monkey. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and Jonathan are so similar to me. He's such a monkey. And I see that with you yeah. when I'm looking at you, monkey, or like just a very beautiful like dove or something. Yeah, or like a dolphin or something. Yeah. Yeah. You we could just, go a lot of different directions. Yeah. I'll have to do like my spirit animal test and let you know what it is. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. That stuff is so fun. Are you a morning person or a night person? Neither. Same. I feel like mornings are really hard. I like to wake up on my own terms and I'm grumpy if someone wakes me up early. That's why I'm glad to be out of the newborn stage. Everyone sleeps really well. Um, I like to wake up slowly. You know, don't always get the luxury of that with kids, but I'm trying to kind of create how to make that happen. Cause a D is more of a morning person. Um, and nights I love to like, I'm not a, a I'm not a night owl. Like I don't want to be up late, but I do like evenings and like taking a bath and all of that. But 
I don't think I'm either. I think I'm a daytime person. I am too. I don't think You're I'm the night only or... other person who's ever said that yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. But I'm the same. Like I always, I always say that I'm not a morning person. I kind of I'm struggle really not with a night both. Person. Yeah, yeah. I kind of struggle with morning and evening in like the grand scheme of things. It's not really a struggle, but you know, like they're not, they don't come easy to me, but during the day I thrive. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know. It's good. I love that. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. All day, baby. Oh. With your with some philosophy superfoods super in there. Man, my superfood coffee I die for. And now a D makes it for me. I like, saw that. I saw every day. on your story like the other day. It looked so peaceful. He makes super if anyone knows my husband, like he didn't even know what a Vitamix was. Like he makes me a superfood coffee, which is like so intense. We have like 10 ingredients. So in what it. do you put in your superfood coffee? We do cacao mm-hmm. magic powder. So that has protein and superfoods and chocolate flavored and maca and chia seeds. So cacao magic powder, um, some sort of like nut milk creamer, um, MCT oil. I add other adaptogens like lion's mane or whatever. We do, uh, what else? We, oh, um, collagen and coffee. Duh. Mm-hmm. Lots of coffee. Yummy. And like whatever else is like, hey, add this this week, you yeah. know? I have to tell you, because we gave out philosophy, you know, at our, in our wedding gift bags yeah. and then to my, all my, um, everybody who came to my bachelorette, I've been getting so many messages because I think just now people's supply is running out yeah. from what they got yeah. back in November. And so my friend Laura was like, her husband is obsessed with it and he does not love healthy stuff. Oh, I love And that. then Katie, my best friend, she loves it, obsessed. And these are people who similar to you, I have been like wanting to have superfoods in their life forever. And so that's just exciting. I find that like philosophy products are really easy in that way. It's like, they all taste really good, but there's no added sugar. They're delicious. Like I worked really hard to formulate things that tasted good too. And didn't feel like you were having to suffer or like fight through the no, they healthiness, taste amazing. you know, even the green no, one. I mean, so the good green I mean, one is like the green one, green dream. So I sweet. can I can put it into my hand and lick, you know, but mm-hmm. there's no sugar in it. There's yeah. no stevia. It's just clean, you know? So good. Yeah. They're my favorite of all protein powders. Um, who are, who's one of your mentors in this life? I mean, I think at times of struggle, I go back to Marianne Williamson a lot. Like I, she, she got me through a, a lot of really hard times in our relationship. I would go see her live here in LA and yeah, just the way that she, like, I, I'm not a religious person. So it, like she come, sometimes talks about God and Jesus, but like, just ignore all that because she, once you get past that layer, she's not talking in a religious aspect. She's talking about them as people, as spiritual guides, but the substance in which she, like, I'm so sad that she's not running for president now. It, that would have been such a beautiful, I don't think the world was ready to have someone like her as president, but like, what a beautiful world that would have been. She's been a really great source of inspiration for me through the years. So back to the rapid fires. If you were a color, what color would you be? I think white. Yeah. 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 That energy color or yellow. of the universe. Yellow or, or um, shade of yellow. What's on the horizon for you? So Adi and I really want to write this book. We're like um, super inspired. So we're writing a book, Radical Transparency. We don't know the title yet, but that's the topic. and. Let's see what else is going on. Yeah, just like life is moving, you know, like Noah's going to get into preschool soon and boys are growing up and starting second and fourth grade and 
you know, it's just life is happening and we have great guests on the podcast and we, it's very, you know, we have, our team is growing and I love all the partnerships I'm doing. They're very like aligned and I'm just so grateful for all of it. I think, you know, I'm hoping that things start to chill out so that I can lead my retreats again. I have, I had a retreat with my friend Rochelle in October in Sayulita. It got canceled and postponed till next May. So I'm just hoping that that retreat happens in May. Um, There's supposed to be another one in Palm Springs. We haven't heard back from that hotel yet. So like a lot of up in the air, but also continuing to move forward and get creative. Um, I teach at least twice a month for live kick. So I'm doing intuitive movement classes um, for the month of August. It's in, it's on Thursday nights and then we'll see what happens month to month. But I've been really enjoying, you know, that spark of teaching again and, and sharing my heart with people. So that's been fun and we should definitely do an event together. Yeah, let's do it. And tell everybody where they can find you. I am on ignited.me and ignited.com for our podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts, I-G-N-T-D. And then sophie.jaffe on Instagram and thephilosophy.com or philosophy love on Instagram. Yes. And final, final question. What are your tips for people looking to set their soul on fire? I think first you have to get really clear about what your soul needs to be set on fire. What is your soul asking for? What is it aching for before you can give it something, right? Like you can't fuel a fire unless you know what kind of fuel it needs. And um, the only way to do that is to get quiet and figure out, like have a relationship with your soul. And like we talked about earlier, just intuitively connecting, but even more so on a soulful level. Beautiful, my love. Thank you so much for coming on. I love our spontaneity. Spontane- spontaneous life is my favorite way to live. Yep. And it was Wednesday here for and it. I said, Sophie, want to do a podcast on Friday? And here we are. So thank you for that and for pleasure. sharing your beautiful heart with our listeners my and pleasure. for being here. Oh, I love, love you. Love you all. Mwah. Keep in touch. Yes. All right, my loves. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Sophie Jaffe, my dear friend. We talked radical transparency. We talked about so many things that I've never discussed before on the podcast. And I'm so grateful to have Sophie as a friend and to have had her on the show to share all the love with you guys. Be sure to check her out and support her. Let us know if you'd like to do a virtual event with us. And if so, what type of event you would like to do. We can put that together anytime and it'll be amazing. Check out her philosophy, superfood products. You'll fall in love. Thank you to our sponsors for Sigmatic for this episode. Code Blonde for a discount. Obsessed with you for Sigmatic. And also waking back up to your soul. My course that I'm so excited about that teaches you how to channel, how to talk to your angels and guides, the Pleiadians, your ancestors, light beings. It is the place to be especially if you are ascending rapidly, which we all are, spoiler alert, on the planet. There is wild things going on right now. And I want to help teach you how to harness that energy and use it as wisely as you possibly can. So join us for Waking Back Up to Your Soul. It's going to be just a very, very, very special live group. It starts on August 24th and... You guys, it is just epic. It is epic, epic, epic. And here we go. Here we go. Because we are ascending. We're doing the damn thing. And it's going to be just amazing. 
Um, Also, I wanted to remind you, if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, I have a free gift for you for everyone who rates and reviews. It's very, very helpful um, and encouraging to podcasters when you take the time to rate and review our podcast. It helps it get seen in iTunes. um, And I love connecting with you guys in that way. So if you rate and review the podcast on iTunes, send me a screenshot to Jordan at thebalancebond.com and I'll send you my yoga ebook for free. And with that, thank you again to the sweet, amazing Sophie Jaffe. And I hope everyone has a soul on fire day. I love you. Mwah.